Finally, we have a movie with two of the greats together. In this week's episode of the Scary Spirits podcast, number 44, The Black Cat, Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff star together. But this is not exactly what we'd call a buddy film. More of a frenemies movie. We both agree that Bella is much more relaxed and fluid in his acting than Boris. Perhaps Karloff's stiffness comes from his heavy satanic robes. Or maybe he's distracted by the beautiful women suspended in glass cases in his basement. Whatever it is, Bella runs away with this one. We also get to talk a little bit about phobias, one of which is Ilurophobia, which I definitely don't have. In fact, quite the opposite. Cheers! Welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast. Please be advised that the presenters may use adult language and or discuss adult situations. This podcast is not intended for younger listeners or those that may be easily offended. So, if you're ready, let's go. Hi, I'm Greg. Hey, I'm Karen. And welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast, the podcast that combines the two very different but highly compatible worlds of scary films and alcoholic spirits. What could possibly go wrong? Indeed. Do you like how I read that, Karen? I was going to (laughs) say, you must have read it because it was flawless. Flawless. How are you, Karen? I'm fabulous. How are you, Greg? I'm good. You're gonna you're going going well this last couple of weeks. Well, I think. you know, it's the month of love. That's true. <laughs> that would uplift anyone's spirits. Yes, I'm, my heart's all a flutter 24-7. <laughs> so Karen, I don't think that we have I don't have anything to say about the last episode to you. No. If anyone wants to correct us, just hit us up at info at scaryspirits.com. So I believe this episode was my choice, was it? Was it not? This was yours. Okay. This episode, I have chosen the film, The Black Cat from 1934. Another, we've done a bunch of universal films lately. I have to say, this is a universal film starring Bela Lugosi and Karloff. As yes. Credited. So he this did. is our third Karloff film in a row, Karen. Yes, it is. Crazy. We get to see all sides of Karloff. Yes, 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 we do. <laughs> Karen, I do have a cocktail for this episode as well. As you should. What do you got? So the cocktail I have chosen is called the Black Cat Cocktail, Karen. That's very clever. See what I did there? I do. So we're going to need for this cocktail, one ounce of blue curacao, one ounce vodka, three ounces lemon lime soda, or as I call it, Sprat, <laughs> one ounce cranberry juice, and a half an ounce freshly squeezed lime juice from the plastic lime. Or the fresh one. Or the fresh one. Whatever. Would you like to know how to make it, Karen? Of course. All right. First thing we're going to do is fill a shaker halfway with ice. Then we're going to add the one ounce of blue curacao, one ounce of vodka, and half an ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice from the plastic lime. 
Then we're going to shake it, shake it, shake it until mixed well. Then we add the three ounces of Sprat and stir. Next, we pour the cranberry juice into a tall glass. Eh, my one's so tall. I don't think it needs <laughs> to be a tall glass. I mean, it's only, what, seven ounces liquid? But anyway, so you pour the one ounce cranberry juice into a glass. And then over the back of a spoon, you strain gently the mixed ingredients over the cranberry juice. Being very, very careful not to completely mix the two for presentation purposes, Karen. <laughs> then you serve the cocktail with a cocktail stirrer and a lime twist for garnish, which I didn't have. So, Do you want to give everyone time to gather their ingredients? I suppose. Hang on. And we're back. Yes, we are. Everyone has their black cat cocktail. Mine's green. I just hope everyone did a better <laughs> job than I did with the spoon. Me too. I can't do that. I suck at that. I can muddle with the best of them, but I cannot <laughs> do that that spoon thing. I got to practice that. I can sometimes, but this time I don't think it worked so good. But still good. Still tastes good. So good. Again, your mom's going to be upset so well. <laughs> grammar thank you dr karen <laughs> all right karen might you have a brief synopsis for this film you could read to us tell us a story dr karen i'm sure you'll get all the names correct oh my god <laughs> this is going to take some serious editing the black cat 1934 honeymooning in hungary joan and peter allison share their train compartment with dr vitas vertigast a courtly but tragic man who is returning to the remains of the town he defended before becoming a prisoner of war for 15 years. When their hotel-bound bus crashes in a mountain storm and Joan is injured, the travelers seek refuge in the home built fortress-like upon the site of a bloody battlefield of fame architect Perlzig. There, cat-phobic Vertigost learns his wife's fate, grieves for his lost daughter, and must play a game of chess for Joan's life. Thank you, Karen, for that brief synopsis. You're so welcome, Greg. Karen, are you ready to get into the film? Before we get started on the film, Greg, why did you pick this one? Because, Karen, I have been roped into your month of love. Okay, and what screamed love? Well, we have newlyweds in this movie, and we have True. someone who may be the bride of Satan. That's very romantic, isn't it? It is. And apparently... Perlzig has lots of women collected. Romantic I wouldn't character. call that romantic. <laughs> you wouldn't? But no. Oh, you don't think him, you know, wanting to honor their beauty for eternity is romantic, Dr. Karen? Not if he's killing them young so they stay beautiful. <laughs> no one said he killed anybody. Vetus says he killed her. Well, Vetus says. Vetus says lots of things, Karen. It's true. I'm guessing that all those women at the same age did not die from natural causes, but that's just my guess. We'll see. Yes, we will. Are you ready to get into it? Yep. All right. The Black Cat from 1934, Universal Pictures film. It is rated NR, Karen. Mm, that makes sense. Sort of. 
Well, did you watch it on Amazon Prime? Correct. I did. So did I. And that's the first thing I saw. Rated in R. I was ready to like make a note of smoking and language. No, none and, of that. No, none of that shit. They didn't mention any of that shit. I don't think they had any of that. There's violence. There's plenty of fucking violence, Karen. Well, that's true. But there's no smoking. <laughs> there's plenty oh, there's of satanic shit. Yeah. Don't they care about drinking. that? Don't they care about you know Satan and? I don't think Satan worship is one of the things they throw in there. Okay. So no one cares about Satan worship. Okay. So we start with credits. And once again, Karloff, Boris Karloff is credited as just Karloff. Like his, he's in his Madonna phase or some shit. <laughs> I like when they do credits like this, the mini clip credits. So you see who plays each. Yes. That's character. the next thing I had. That's the next thing I have is that we see the main characters and scenes from the film during the credits. So we will be able to recognize them later, Karen, in their costumes. Movie opens where at a train station, Karen. It's very busy. There's people everywhere. Lots of people traveling on the trains back in 1934, apparently. Yeah, I think it's a steam train too. Lots of steam everywhere. Next we see I think it's Joan's passport that the people are reading her passport and they sound very German to me, Karen. <laughs> but they do say they're on the Orient Express. Yeah, that was weird. Why? That they threw in that it was the Orient Express. Is that before? Because they're not traveling anywhere near the Orient. They're more in no, I, well, Eastern no. Euro- Europe. I meant more before Agatha Christie's novel. Okay. No, I, don't know. I didn't know if, if she wrote it before that. Because that's a famous train, right? Yeah, I would say so. 34. So Murder on the Orient Express happens the same time this movie is filmed. It's probably not really related. Probably not. But we learn they are newlyweds, Karen, in the car there as they're checking their passports. Joan and Peter. They talk about dining in the car. Do you recognize Peter, Karen? From no. any other film? Hmm? No, what's he from? So Peter played Jonathan Harker in the 1931 Dracula with Peter ah, Lugosi. Nice. Yes, he was also in The Mummy, apparently, later. So he's a universal actor. But that was interesting. I didn't recognize him either. But then the uh, bellboy or whatever the hell it is, what they call those guys on trains. <laughs> are they, they're not conductors. Are they conductors? I don't know what they are. They're... I think they might be conductors. They come and check. They're not tickets. conductors. The conductor oh. drives the train, Karen. Thought that was an engineer. Well, yeah, it could be an engineer. They're in apartment F. Compartment, sorry, compartment F. And they're talking about being whether they're hungry or not. And they both say they're not. And then they both say they they are because they didn't eat at the wedding. And, and they're newlyweds and they're cute and they're like g- that. Googly eyes at each other. And you know, should we dine in? Wink, wink, wink. And they decide they're going to. As and opposed then to dining out on the same train, like in a different car. I mean, they're not going anywhere. They're staying on the damn train. Yeah, but they're alone in a compartment and they're uh, newlyweds. Mm, I see what you're saying now, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> but just as they agree to dine in. Conductor comes and says, sorry, there's been a mix up. Would you mind sharing your compartment with this guy named Vitus Vertigost? What a bummer. They yeah. look bummed too. It was played by Bela Lugosi. They, they look devastated. They had other plans. Yeah, but they yeah, say it's fine. Whatever. They don't have far to go, apparently. 
Yes. So. And Vitus tells the newlyweds he is going to visit an old friend very near where they are going as well. So they're going to be buddies. <laughs> going to be good friends by the time this trip is over. There's lots of eye acting right in here with from her, from Bella. It's just a lot. There's nothing said, just a lot of eyeballs. True. Yeah. They're all kind of like the newlyweds, Joan and Peter are kind of like looking out towards the window, even though the shade is fucking closed. So they're not looking at anything <laughs> at this point. Well, the doctor opens the. Well, he does later. Yeah. That's how I know that they're not looking at anything. But well, the, it would be hard to sit like that in a train, I would think, because where do you look except directly across from you at the other person? We'll make conversation. It's a big deal. <laughs> okay, Mr. Extrovert, I guess I'll go in the coach with you because you'll make all kinds of conversation with people. Only if I, people make eye contact with me. I try to be scary so people don't. <laughs> they do talk to each other. But the train seems to be traveling at a very quick pace I, I wrote Cameron I did too and it appears to be raining as well yes but eventually the newlyweds Joan and Peter fall asleep and as they're sleeping Vitus Vertigast strokes Joan's hair he creepily touches it Peter wakes up and catches him Vitus apologizes and explains that you know he hasn't hasn't seen his wife in 18 years basically don't even and know Joan, yeah, dead or alive. And, and Joan is a lot like his wife. Of course she is. <laughs> you know, he left a girl to go to war. And he explains that he was in prison during World War I, Karen, and he never saw his wife again. And he was in prison for 15 years. Did you write down the name of the prison? No. He said something kind of poignant, I thought, and I can't remember the name of the prison, but he talks about it and he says... Many men went there, few have returned. Yeah, and then he pauses and he says, I have returned. But I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, apparently it's an infamous prison camp in Siberia, Karen. What's the name of it? I don't know. I can tell you that though. Okay. I just thought that was a powerful statement. So you get off the train and they're in the train station and they get into a bus. It's more like a trolley. Open air bus with roll (laughs) down sides, Karen. It's got benches in it. It's like a trolley on wheels. Yes, and it's it's stormy weather. And as they're driving along through the muddy roads, the driver tells them stories about the war. It's a bit of a downer. Yeah, apparently every guy, everybody's got a thing for World War One in this film. He's saying it's you know it's an unusual rain, but he's talking about the graveyard that they're passing the greatest graveyard in the world talks about all the dead men and they crash karen that they do and apparently the bus drive is gone he gone they roll over the side of the of a small hill but the rest of the passengers being dr verdegrost joan and peter oh and, and the doctor's servant the mall the mall t-h-a-m-a-l the okay. mall the doctor's assistant they all take their bags and walk and joan is hurt and the mall is carrying her they ring the doorbell of a house apparently the house of pearl dr pearl zig yeah yes. oh not doctor i apologize he's an architect yes mr pearl zig yes i think he's a doctor no he's an architect okay so they ring the doorbell 
and Fidus tells the man who answers the door that Pearlzig will be expecting him, and they carry Joan upstairs. He calls him engineer, so I don't know. But they all enter the house, and it's a very modern-looking house. Very minimalist, but sharp corners, and you would describe it as modern. And there's an intercom system in the house, Karen. And I guess the guy who answers the door lets Polzig know that Dr. Vertigast has arrived. And then Polzig sits straight up in bed. <laughs> like Just, Dracula coming out or, of his or coffin. Or Frankenstein, yeah. Yeah, but like he's coming out of the coffin. He's just slowly rises straight up. Right up from the waist, straight up. But he's not alone. No, Karen, he is a a hot blonde with him. He does. (laughs) Hot young blonde. Don't know who she is yet. Next, a maid brings a bowl of water to Dr. Verdegast, and he washes his hands as he examines Joan. Yeah, this woman, I don't, do we don't see her again, do we? I don't think so. She's dressed like a frow, you know, like a, like a beer wench. <laughs> She's got the traditional like German. St. Pauli girl. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but Dr. Vertigast gives Joan an injection. Next, Polzig enters and he and Phytus exchange pleasantries. And he just stares at the lovely Joan. And here's where I made a note that Karloff, Boris Karloff, Looks quite a bit shorter than Lugosi. I think I Lugosi was, was a big, I think, I think he's a bigger dude. I know, but it's odd. I mean, I know that Karloff wore like platform shoes and shit when he's playing Frankenstein, but I didn't think. The other guy's bigger than him too, isn't he? Yeah. I didn't think he was that short. I found that odd. That's why I made a note. Then Vertigast, played by Bela Lugosi, confronts Polzig about the war. He thinks that Pearlzig sold them out to the Russians. And he well, they built- leave the room first. Yeah. They leave the newlyweds. And he's bitter. He's accusing him of a lot of things. Well, he's built his very house upon the very fort that he commanded and turned over to the Russians, right? Yeah. Supposedly. That's weird. And Vertigast he's- asked Pearlzig where his wife and daughter are. He has tracked them all over the world and it has led him to this very spot he says some again some poignant things to Pearlzig. he says it's a masterpiece of construction built on a masterpiece of destruction murder of ten thousand men and he says those who died were lucky but he was taken prisoner where his soul was killed slowly 15 years in the darkness so he's laying it out it sounds pretty bad peter interrupts them and then they all share a drink, Karen. Karloff <laughs> told Lugosi's wife that Lugosi was dead okay. when he wasn't. Yeah. But when Peter interrupts and they all have a drink, they talk about the house. And Vitus Vertigas tells Peter that the house was built atop the ruins of the fort. And Peter finds the house very interesting. And apparently Pearlzig is one of the world's greatest architects. Yeah, and he's then, from Austria. And then he says, Pearlzig says that Vertigast is one of the world's greatest psychiatrists, apparently. From Hungary. And, and Peter says, I write mysteries. I'm an American. <laughs> right? Yes, he's a writer. And Vertigast begins to make a toast to love. Loved, Karen. The month of love. Mm-hmm. But gotcha. he, is, 
he is frightened by a cat. And apparently there's like a bunch of knives on a end table or some shit. Conveniently sitting there. Grabs one and throws it at it and kills the fucking cat. Right? So he recoils dramatically. This isn't just a a normal reaction. Maybe you're a little scared of cats. He has a phobia. (laughs) What's the phobia called? No. So he has allurophobia, which is a phobia of cats. And it's significant. But I was going to ask you, do you know what the top five phobias are? (laughs) And again, this is not deep diving people. This is just pulled off from Googling the shit. So top five phobias. You're not going to know. Do you want to know what they are? You want to go in in backwards order? Um, I think clowns has got to be up there. You would how, how about arachnophobia, Karen? Or claustrophobia? What about that one? They're not in the top five, but they are in the top 10. Neither one of those? Nope. Arachnophobia oh, yeah. is six. Fear of heights. Fear of heights. Or... And claustrophobia Acro- is acrophobia. eight. Acrophobia is fear of That's heights. That's nine. That's bullshit. <laughs> Social phobia, Karen? Fear of rejection? So, nosophobia. How about, how about... No, we're going top five. Just... A phobia, fear of snakes, Karen. <laughs> Those are your top five. I'm talking about the general population's top five. How about trypanophobia, Karen? Do you know what that is, Doctor Karen? No. Trypanophobia, the fear of injections. No, that would be me. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Don't be diagnosing me. Okay. The top, five com- the top five common phobias. Nosophobia I think I named at least five. But- is the fear of developing a disease. Thanophobia is the fear of death. This one's interesting, and I'll probably butcher it, but atikophobia is the fear of failure. Trifophobia. This one I actually have. It gives me the willies. Is a fear of circle clusters. I don't like that. I have to know what that means because I don't really understand it. And I don't think our listener will either. No, they will. If they have it, they'll know what I'm talking well, about. Well, yeah, I, maybe they don't. I don't. What's that mean? It's just Fear clusters of, of circle circles. clusters. Yeah. Like holes in a tree or they go through a little bit about it. And they so say the rings of a, a log scare you. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like if a, if a woodpecker would peck holes close together. Look it up. You can tell. And it says, it says the image of circle clusters are reminiscent of things we as humans have feared in the past, like infectious diseases and dangerous animals like bees. The honeycomb doesn't bother me, but the circles do. Bees aren't scary. Bees are good. Until you go into anaphylactic shock. Well, then you get the bees. Then then you get the, what is the, the fear of injection? (laughs) That's what you get. If you go into anaphylactic shock for bees. Trypanophobia. Yes. And the number one are social phobias, which are social anxiety disorders. All right. But do you want to know what some of the least common phobias are? I I know you. (laughs) Xanthophobia is the fear of the color yellow. Yeah, I ain't got that. There's Karen. I'm actually in a room surrounded by yellow. (laughs) (laughs) Turophobia is the fear of cheese. Yeah, I love cheese. I would eat that shit up. (laughs) <laughs> somnophobia is the fear of falling asleep oh my god i'm definitely not afraid of that i would love to fall asleep as soon as I laid we're all like we would down. love <laughs> it would save me a lot of bills and medical shit 
Hylophobia is the fear of trees. Oh, I love trees. I loved climbing trees as a kid. Colophobia is the fear of clowns. I just thought it, it was interesting. They're not really. What's it called? People, fear of clowns? Cholerophobia. C-O-U-L-R-O-phobia. I think a lot of people hate clowns, but I don't think a lot of people really fear them. One of my son, John's friends has a fear of clowns. I mean, most people aren't comfortable <laughs> around them and think they're creepy, but I, I don't care. <laughs> I think because their bit. face is covered. So what's the phobia for cats? Allurophobia. So the doctor yes, has that. Allurophobia. Big time. So after he kills the cat, which nobody reacts to, they all just kind of watch the knife and stand there, and then life goes on. So basically, whatever. He kills the damn cat, and he gets over it really quick, I think. <laughs> well, nobody cares. They all just look no, at it and nobody cares. keep talking. I would have been upset. Then Joan enters, and she be- appears to be behaving oddly, I wrote. She's hypnotically walking in. And this is when... Pearls explains that Vertigas has an intense fear of cats. But then at some point, Joan and Peter embrace. They start kissing. Yeah, this was bizarre. Pearls (laughs) grabs it by the arm, right? Pearls erotically strokes a statue while watching Joan and Peter. He doesn't stroke it. He just grabs the arm. No, his thumb is going up and down the statue. On on the breast, Karen. No. Well, then it's not. It's a, yeah, he just grabs it. It's on the arm. And then Peter carries Joan back to bed. Next, Vertigast explains that he gave Joan a very powerful narcotic and she needs to rest. He explains that the narcotic, Hyosin, how do you say it, Karen? Doctor, doctor. Oh, doctor I didn't Karen. hear it. Hyosin, yeah. H-Y-O-S-C-I-N-E. Sounds right. Makes people behave strangely sometimes. Yeah, it can cause one to become a medium, he says. We don't have any experience with the tranquilizing drug, hyosin, Dr. Cameron. No, I I do not. Okay. I could never prescribe anything. I'm not that kind of doctor. (laughs) So Vertigas says that certain ancient books say that the black cat is the living embodiment of evil. That when a cat is killed, the evil goes into the nearest person. But then Perlzig says that some books say that the black cat is deathless and cannot die. Yes. It is the origin of the superstition of the cat having nine lives, Dr. Karen. Karen, what? how many cats do you have? <laughs> Including outdoor cats? How many in- cats do you have? Four. And how many of them are black? Two. Okay. Would you like to know how black cats got the raw end of the deal? Sure. Black cats are beautiful, by the way. Yeah, I agree. Black animals in general. I have a black dog, or my wife does, even though he hate me. (laughs) He hate you. So again, this is just a brief Google that shit kind of thing. But the fear of black cats first arose in Europe in the Middle Ages. As their numbers grew within the cities, they were seen as pests. Cats are nocturnal and roam at night. Thus their agile movements and eyes that glowed at night became the image of darkness, mystery, and evil. They killed off an awful lot of them. They were dominant for quite a while, and then they're not. You probably should have left them alone so they like kill off all the rats that brought on yeah. the plague and all that shit. But well, whatever. people just don't <laughs> want to believe the truth. Other cultures, there's a lot of cultures that think black cats are good luck too, but that's kind of where their 
bad luck, evil kind of thing started. Next, Perlzig shows them into their rooms, and they are all adjoining. Vertigas says that his adjoins Jones, and he offers to switch with Peter so that you know he and Jones' rooms adjoin because they're fucking married. I don't know why they're in different rooms. I don't know. Whatever. Either. They're newlyweds. It's their fucking honeymoon, right, Karen? You've been married 30, 35 years. You're like, yeah, you take that bed. I'm going to this one. Newlyweds. Yes, will, it's true. <laughs> newlyweds will suffer through a twin bed to be together. But I think they were bigger beds than twins, weren't they? Yes, I don't know. I think yeah. so. But it's 437 when they go to no, bed. No, no, it is not. No, that's what I saw in the. No, it's not. Dr. Karen. Okay. And Verdegast asks if it's okay if he keeps the adjoining door room open, asks mm-hmm. Peter. And Peter says, yeah, he would prefer it because the f- house creeps him the fuck out, right? Exactly, yes. And then there's a nice transition scene I wrote of Peter putting his coat over the camera and pulling the covers up over him, right? And the clock next to his bed on the nightstand says 432, Karen. No, I guess I need my glasses. Yes. <laughs> that happens, Greg, when you get as old as I am. <laughs> I, I just had an eye exam, Karen. So I know. I know. And your eyes are beautiful and lovely yes, and they perfect. Are. Of course, Dr. Lauren said my eyes were beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been out to dinner with you and your lovely wife, and you can't see the menu either. So don't start. Oh, I can now because I have glasses. Next, we see Pearlzig walking the halls carrying a, yet another black cat. Karen. Or the same one. Oh, he's dead. Is he? I don't know. But he is looking at his collection of dead women in glass caskets. Yes. <laughs> Call it the Museum of Women. Yes. How many did you count? I didn't count I didn't. right away. I think there's about seven. Uh, I don't know if there's that many. I don't know if he made a circle, though. If he made a circle, I might have counted like two of them twice. There's at least five. I was going to say four mm. on the top of my head, but I don't know. I wasn't counting. My impression tells me four. They're encased in glass and they're kind of floating. They're yeah. upright. They're not laying down horizontally. They're vertical. It's a lot like uh, any DC comic fans out there. It's a lot like Mr. Freeze's wife floating in her casket. But these are in air. They're not yes, in any and liquid. Even, even Karen, right? Yeah. Vertigas's wife, her hair is like up. It's like, it looks like she's floating. It does. Her hair kind of goes to a point like a, yeah, like a mermaid's wood or something. It looks like that, but it doesn't look like there's any liquid in them. There isn't. Their feet are not touching the casket. They're floating in the caskets. Yes. They're not touching any sides of it. Next, I have 4.52 a.m. on the clock, apparently. Peter's sleeping. (laughs) And Pearlzig enters Peter's room, but he thinks it's Vertigas room. Because they have something to settle. Yes, they do. Pearlzik ends up going to Vertigast's room because the door is open. And Vertigast again asked him where his wife is. And Pearlzik says he will take him to her. He does. He takes him down the winding staircase, which yes. is metal, I think, and goes in a spiral. But, it's a spiral circuit. Right. But Pearlzik says Vertigast must come alone. He has to leave the mall. Oh, his- yeah, he has to leave his servant. That's kind of a little important. So then Pearlzig, like you said, takes Vertigas down the spiral staircase into the remains of the fort. I wouldn't have gone with him. I don't 
would you they're friends they're old friends are they yes karen they okay. are <laughs> i don't know if i'd follow you down a spiral you could be staircase. friends and enemies at the same time in an old fort it is i would possible. feel like that you were gonna stick me in a room vertigas as they're going down vertigas says he can still feel the death you know in the fort he's definitely traumatized yeah as you would be i agree <laughs> spent 15 years in a you know, prison 10,000 men died or, there or whatever yeah yeah and Pearlzig takes Vertigas to the glass casket with his wife in it yeah just takes him to the museum of women and walks him up to his wife hanging I, there. I thought his reaction would be worse though I agree he just, I don't know we if don't he's even see shock. him like like Pearlzig tells the story of his you know his wife and it tells him that his daughter is dead and two and then they show Vertigas and he's He's visibly sad, but not fucking hysterical like you would expect him to be, right? Like, yeah, you motherfucker. <laughs> Why'd you fucking put my wife in here? Because she's hanging there, too. It's not like he took him to a grave where she's in the ground with proper burial. He's, she's hanging in this glass casket, and he barely has a reaction. Like I said, I don't know if it's shock or what. He's been dreaming of this moment for so long. His face is very sad, though, when they show it. It is. But so you would think he'd, I think I'd break the fucking glass. I would agree. <laughs> Just to see. I, I would think anyone would. Whatever. Or at least cry out or yeah. start beating up Pearl's But, but he something. seems like his voice is like lost. You know what I mean? Which I can see as well. People react differently, Karen, right? Hello, boys and girls. You know, doing a podcast can be thirsty work. Lucky for you, we have all our drink recipes on our website, scaryspirits.com. And if you want to see how each drink is made, hit up our YouTube channel, Scary Spirits Podcast, and watch me play bartender. I show you how to make every themed drink. Now, back to the show. But Vertigast blames Pearlzig for her death. And he pulls a gun on him and says he will kill him just as he killed her. And the black cat enters, Karen. And Vertigas freaks the fuck out. And he drops the gun. <laughs> Conveniently, that cat shows up. And then Pearlzig kind of comforts him. Yes, and he gives a, I wrote, he gives a soliloquy about death and he invites us. But I didn't make any specific notes. I just do. said they leave the Museum of Women. Next we see Pearlzik going back to his bed with his girlfriend, Karen. I think Karen. it's his wife. It's his wife. Well, whatever Karen. it is, Karen. Now. Karen. <laughs> I thought they said Carmen, but it's Karen. It's Karen. Yeah. And he tells Karen that he wants her to stay in the room all day tomorrow. He hypnotizes her. He takes his hand and he. they want us to believe he hypnotizes her. But we do learn here that Karen is vertigast daughter right yeah that was a bit of a shock all right so next vertigast servant the maw wants to kill pearlzig but vertigast stops him he tells him that he will let him know when the time is right until then he is to act as both of their servants yeah he's kind of laying in wait so he's gonna play lying in wait yeah he's gonna see when the best time is i like him. that that would be fun <laughs> Just waiting for him to mess up. 
Yes. So he can pounce. Next, we see Pearlzig in bed reading, doing some light reading before bed, Karen. <laughs> and what is a reading, Karen? Do, do you know? I think it's like the ceremonial rites of Lucifer. Right. It's the rites of Lucifer. As you do. Did you make a note of what the book said, Karen? I did not. I've spoiled you. I don't want to say that stuff. Go I ahead. Will. You go ahead. You say the rights of Lucifer. I will, Karen. I know you will. Right now. The book reads, In the night, in the dark of the moon, the high priest assembles his disciples for the sacrifice. The chosen maiden is garbed in white. And that's all it says. I know. Mm-hmm. I saw it. Nothing really sinister. But isn't a maiden supposed to be like a virgin? A fair young maiden? Isn't that what maiden means? I don't know. In satanic rituals? Don't know, Karen. Because I'm pretty sure. I don't have a lot of experience practicing satanic rituals. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Joan, you know. She well, maybe be not. a virgin. She could be because they. They hadn't had time to like consummate right. the marriage, I'm pretty sure. Because he showed up in their cabin or their yes. coach and then she was in the crash. So maybe you're right. She could be. And he closes the book and puts it on his nightstand and turns out the light. Just as I do every night, Karen. <laughs> Next morning, Joan wakes to knocking on her door. And it is Vitus Vertigast. Puts on a lovely robe. She has beautiful sleeping attire. But he has come to examine her dressing. <laughs> which startles her a little bit. Because she, does she doesn't not remember. remember much. Yeah, because she had the narcotics. So she doesn't know really what's happening. And she remembers nothing of the accident. And Vertigast tells her that she is in the home of his friend, Pearlzig. Next, Pearlzig enters the room to check on Joan. Just walks in. Everybody just walks in. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't knock her. None of that shit. They just walk right in. And Joan is, seems to be creeped out by Pearlzig. Well, Joan asks where Peter is. I just like this reply. He said. Right next door. No, he's <laughs> breakfasting. I like that. He's breakfasting. He's having the continental breakfast down in the lunchroom or the <laughs> lobby Pearlzig, Pearlzig <laughs> ogles joan and she feels it like she is uncomfortable with his stare and she covers up more with her robe well he's got that whole like what's it called karen the the brow thing widow's peak <laughs> yes he's short he's, and he's, he's short and scrawny but he's, whatever <laughs> he's kind of more stiff didn't you think then, Bella? Like, yes. I don't know if that was part of his character, but he's a very stiff actor. Like, he doesn't move fluidly at all. He doesn't oh. speak fluidly. He doesn't move fluidly. Oh. He, you know, he really, it's a nice dichotomy between the two, but I don't know if it's yeah. on purpose or if that's just know. how he acts. Don't know. I mean, we watched him in the eight, but. We didn't really see him move that much. And it was only a year after this, right? So next we see Vertigas and Pearlzig have a disagreement about Joan. Vertigas knows that Pearlzig plans to keep Joan there, but Vertigas plans to do everything he can to let her go. Did you see? There's a good quote here, too. Because Pearlzig says tonight is the dark moon and he's going to do a ceremony and he's going to keep the girl. <laughs> the doctor says... There was nothing spiritual in your eyes when you looked at that girl. <laughs> thought that was pretty good. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he starts sexually stroking the queen of the chess set. 
which they're sitting down to play. <laughs> yes, I didn't get all that, but yes, Pearlzig talks of the ceremony later that evening in the new moon. I thought it was a new moon because it's a dark, right? Right. This probably is. And then they play chess. There's like a whole like chess match going on already. Well, but... they they're yes, exactly. But they're playing chess for Joan's release or her non-release. Next, we see Peter and Joan in their bedroom, Karen, and they're kissy facing, making googly eyes at each other. And they want to leave. They don't like it. They they do want to leave, which they should. Yeah. The vibe is creepy. There's no pretend here. I mean, it, they're both creepy, but Pearl Zig is just a whole order above. If you were there, you can't miss it. You wouldn't miss this if you were if you were there. You would be able to feel that he's he's a bit strange. Next, the police arrive and ask the men folk about the accident the previous night. So it's basically Perlzig, Vertigost, and Peter, right? And they're talking about what happened the previous night, the accident with the bus and all that shit. And at one point, Peter says that he and Joan are on their honeymoon and where they're going. But then the police argue about, about whose hometown is the best place for them to honeymoon. I think it's a bit of comic relief. It is. They both argue that their hometown is a better place to honeymoon. There's but two Vert- policemen. But Vertigas explains that the accident was due to the rain and the road giving way. Nobody's at fault, basically. Peter asked the police if they could provide a ride for him and Joan to the town. But the police officer says, unfortunately, they travel on bicycles. That they do. <laughs> so, yeah. But there is a train that leaves at 11 p.m. that night that yes. Perlzig says he will take them to. Yeah, Perlzig tells Peter that they will be unable to leave until the next train at 11 p.m. that evening. Peter persists that if they could only get a ride into town, they could get to their destination. Perlzig tells his assistant to get the car and take Peter and Joan into town. All the, the while playing chess with the doctor. Yes. But. But, the, <laughs> but alas, Karen. The assistant comes back in and says that the car is out of commission and will take some time to repair. So Next. Peter goes to plan B. Yes. Asks for the telephone. Peter asks to use Pearl Zig's phone. He says he will call the hotel and have a car sent to them. So, of course, Pearl Zig tells his assistant to take Peter to the phone. But Karen, the phone is dead. Peter's getting frustrated. <laughs> and I don't know who says it, but even the phone is dead in this place. Yes. And then. Perlzig says to Vertigast, you hear that, Vitus? The phone is dead. Even the phone is dead. <laughs> That's what he says. So, and Peter, he's, he's ready to go. He's like, <laughs> we're just leaving. If we have to walk out of this joint, it's weird. We're out of here. Exactly. And, but he checks his luggage. that He's getting ready to pick it up. And he discovers that someone has taken his automatic, he says, Karen. Which is his gun, right? Yes. I thought they would have taken their passports, but I guess he's traveling with a gun. Oh, yeah, as you would. He is American. <laughs> so next, Peter and Joan come downstairs and say they are leaving. And But the mall, Vertigast assistant, is blocking the door. And Peter tells him to open the door. And he attacks Peter. The mall does. Yeah, which I still don't get why that's happening. But okay. And Joan faints. Yes, she does. And the mall carries Joan up to her room. I thought Peter was dead. 
Next, Pearls, it goes to Joan's room and checks on her, and he locks her in. But he just walks around and leaves. And the mall picks up Peter and carries him down to the area where the fort was, the ancient fort. And they lock him in one of the gun turrets. turrets. Oh, that's what that was. Gotcha. Because it's a circular room and it rotates. Yes. Gotcha. I missed that. Okay, that makes sense. Next, Pearl Zig begins playing the organ, Karen. Any idea what tune he is playing? I should know it. What is it? Do you have a guess? No, I don't. It's a very popular tune, Karen, especially around Halloween. I know. Any idea? Nope. Nothing? Mm-mm. Not even the composer? Don't know who wrote it? Beethoven. No, it's Bach. Bach. I was going to say, there's that. Just go, ah, <laughs> oh, Bach from it's, MASH. It's Toccata and Fugue in D minor, Karen. There you go. By Johann Sebastian Bach. Yep. But while he's playing that, um, Vertigas steals the key and runs away. And he goes to Joan and tells her that they are all in great danger. He tells Joan that he is biding his time, but when the time is right, he is going to kill Pearl Zig. He tells Joan what, what's going on. That there was a satanic ritual that night, Garen. And he believes that Joan is to play a very important part in that ritual. And then the music stops abruptly. He tells Joan to be brave. It's her only chance. He says Pearl Zig is a modern priest of an ancient religion. So Vitus Vertigas goes downstairs and gives Pearl Zig the key back. Next, we cut to a scene and we see a black cat running through Joan's room. And Karen follows behind Karen. Karen and Joan meet. Karen introduces herself to Joan. Joan tells Karen that her father is not dead and he has come for her. Just then, Pearlzik enters the room. But before this all, so I just made a note that Joan seems, while she's talking to Karen, rather calm. She doesn't know where Peter is. Peter could be dead. She passed out, you know, when that whole thing went down. So she has no idea where her newlywed husband is. She's on narcotics. She's over the narcotics. But she's just talking to Karen. Hi, I'm Joan. Oh, by the way, your dad isn't dead. But I'm thinking, aren't you worried about where your husband is? She wakes up. Your first thought would be, you know, where's Peter? Nope. But then Pearlzig enters the room and he follows Karen into the other room. And off screen, we hear Karen scream. Yep. Is she gone, Karen? Is Karen gone, Karen? I thought she was. I did too. Next, it's the dark of the moon, and the guest will soon arrive for the ceremony, Karen. Oh, we do. This is, we do see the girl a second time. This, the servant girl is here, the one that brought the water. So they're talking about it out on like the deck <laughs> about this, that the guests were, will be coming. And Pearl Zig is outside looking into the sky. Next, Pearl Zig comes downstairs wearing a robe and a pentagram or pentangle necklace, Karen. Appropriate. And Pearl Zig goes up to an altar and all the other people have their robes on. And they gather round. Gather round, children. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> Let's all talk to Satan. But then Pearl Zig says a bunch of Latin, Karen. Did you catch any of that shit? No, again, that's something I'm not going to repeat. 
That's not what I asked, Karen. Did you catch any of that shit? <laughs> a little, but I'm not going to repeat any of it. Okay. And then the girls remove their robes and they go up to get Joan. But they're not naked, Karen. They don't get excited. They have white dresses on underneath. They are all clothed under their robes, which we knew because they put yes. the robes on over the clothes. They're all dressed in white gowns. And then pearls exist, some more Latin. Anything you have to say about that? Nope. I am not repeating any Latin that was in a satanic ceremony <laughs> in the dark moon. Come on. It's not going to happen. Nope. Come on. Nope. It's not a dark moon now. It don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Just words. Don't mean nothing. Say it. Just say it. We don't have a virgin here. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But then Peter wakes up in the gun turret. Yes, he lights Peter a match. Is alive. He lights a match and finds the light switch and he turns the turret so he can get out yeah that seemed awfully easy was but that the, because well the, the door is locked in- he can't get out karen right now oh i thought he could i thought he did Not get now out. he can't first door he tries is locked he can't get out but it is a circular turn you know we may come back next back at the ceremony the holy ceremony karen one of the girls in white sees something behind her apparently and screams and faints and everyone goes to check on her what was that because they're all carrying like that. That was weird. I don't know what that was. Did I miss something? I don't know either. Okay. And while that goes on, Vertigost and the mall grab Joan. She's like laying up there on the altar or some shit, right? At this point. I think she's chained to the, like, they're like railroad ties or something. It's like an altar, but it's not. Yeah, it's sort of an altar. It's not nearly what I would make it, but. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have a way better satanic oh, altar than that. Oh, fuck yeah, I would. <laughs> that shit didn't look satanic at all to me, but whatever. Next, Peter finds a door in the turret where he is locked, and he leaves through the hallway, and he's walking past all the dead women in their glass caskets, Karen. And he just walks by. Yeah, as you would. <laughs> I wouldn't, but okay. Well, he's he wants to get to his wife, Karen. He's not worried about all. He should other be dead looking women. closely to make sure she's not one of them. Uh, true, maybe. Next, Pearlzig's assistant enters, looking for Peter with a gun, and they struggle. Pearlzig's assistant knocks Peter out, and he comes out of the room and finds Vertigas, Joan, and Tamal. Right? Somehow they all got down there at this yes. point, and he shoots them all. Vertigas's oh. assistant. So Joan struggles to get away from Vertigast, and Vertigast says he knows the way out. Oh, that's, yes. So Joan is fighting with him, even though she shouldn't be. And then Joan tells Vertigast about Karen, that his daughter is alive, right? Yes, because Vertigast says, leave, and Joan says, no, not without Peter and Karen. And then Vertigast asks Polzig's assistant where Karen is. He, like, grabs him by the collar and shakes him, but... He gone, right? He's dead, right? The guy with the gun yes. shot him. Then as Pearlzig runs down the stairs, Vertigas finds his daughter and apparently she gone too. Rude. <laughs> yeah. Then Pearlzig and Vertigas fight. Finally. Yes. Pearlzig has the upper hand in it. Well, I don't know He's kind of winning. He's on yeah, top of whatever. him. So what? He's skinny and scrawny. <laughs> but the shot dying servant comes He comes back. in and pulls Pearlzig off of Vertigas. 
and they get control of them. Next, Joan screams as Polzig is put in shackles by Vertigost. <laughs> yes. And Vertigost tells Polzig he's going to skin him alive. Flay him slowly, bit by bit. Bit by bit. He, he said he learned bit. some things in prison. <laughs> yes. And we see shadows as he takes a scalpel and begins to cut on Perlzig. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. And Joan screams. But Perlzig doesn't. Guess what he gets. <laughs> so Peter follows Joan's screams and finds the room where they are all located. But the door is locked. Peter tells Joan to get the key. So Joan runs out the, over to Thamal, who is all but dead now, and pries the key out of his dead hand, right? Yeah, and the doctor asks Pearlzig, how does it feel to hang on your own embalming rack? Then Pearlzig starts screaming. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's getting down to business now. And Vertigas goes to help Joan with the key, but Peter from the doorway, yells at Vertigast to get away from her and fires his pistol, shooting Vertigast in the back. Peter misunderstands the situation. Yeah. Although it's pretty gruesome all around. I mean, he is flaying his friend. So I don't know if I'd trust him either. Yeah, got to do what you got to do, Karen. <laughs> okay, good to know, Greg. The next Joan unlocks the door and Joan explains that Vertigast was trying to help them and Vertigas tells them to go, and they run away. And once again, Karen, just like the last episode, there's a wall of levers. Yes, there are. Or levers. I'm not sure of the correct on where you live. pronunciation. But he says it's the red lever that ignites the dynamite. He says if he throws the lever, they will have five minutes before everything explodes. Vertigas says it has been a good game as Joan and Peter escape. And everything blows up. Yes, he throws the lever and blows up the house. Next, we see Joan and Peter in the street stopping a passing car. Immediately, they run to the street. There's a car. Don't know how much time has elapsed. Don't know. I thought the burning building was in the background. Next, we see them on the train. And Peter and Joan are having their passports checked. And Peter reads a newspaper, which has a review of his latest mystery novel, Karen. Which starts out a pretty good review. Yeah, it's called Triple Murder. This is the name mm -hmm. of the novel, apparently. But the review says that the occurrences in his book are implausible and could never happen. Wah, wah. They kind of just look at each other. The end. That's it. <laughs> I thought it would have been great if the conductor came in and said, we've oversold this compartment <laughs> and they have another man come in. I said, I thought that would have been a nice circular. I mean, I get the book thing and that's, that's cool, but that it's implausible and unbelievable and he should stick to things that could actually happen. But I was waiting for them to say, I'm so sorry. We've overbooked this compartment. Do you mind if another man comes in? They would be like, no, sorry, no, not happening. Yeah, that would have been better, I think, now that you say that. like. But then there are credits, and of course, a good cast is worth repeating, as all Universal films of this time period apparently do. All right, Karen, anything you were pleasantly surprised by in this 
film from 1934 starring Bela Lugosi and Karloff. Um, I'm going to say I was pleasantly surprised by the chemistry that those two have. I think they played really well off each other. That's what I liked. I don't know. I, I thought <laughs> I, I thought they were good together. I thought they were okay. I kind of thought that Bela kind of stole this film. Well, like I said, when we were talking throughout the film, <laughs> he was definitely more fluid. And Karloff yeah. was definitely stiff and but i wondered if that was supposed to be his character because he was a creepy dude and sometimes it's creepier if you seem to be normal but you're not but he's stroking chess pieces he's stroking statues he's <laughs> well is he stroke, stroking karen is he really stroking is he is he really stroking him? he is no it, he's not yes he is <laughs> i thought it was gross no. but anyway I like their chemistry. I thought I just did. That's what I was pleasantly surprised by. I mean, and I think the movie was better than the description. I mean, the description sounded like they were going to cram just anything in there that seemed like, oh, satanic rituals, throw that in. You know, suspended women in the basement, throw that in. War, PTSD, throw that in. Black cats, get them in there. It just seemed like it had a lot of stuff for an hour. I agree with what you are saying. I don't know if it's the screenplay or what, but I think Bela stole this film. Just like they did Bela wrong on Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, this was his film to shine, and he did. So He was believable as a traumatized war veteran, I think. Yeah, it was all around him. He ran this film perfectly. He right. did, but you think he's a good guy, which he kind of is, but then he's willing to flay this other guy. You know, oh, he's, hell yeah. What, he's going to skin him, but he yeah. kind of, he comes <laughs> off as the good guy the whole time. And then Killed all of a his sudden, wife and his daughter. I agree, but he doesn't seem to react to oh any of that. God. So he, he is I would, I would absolutely playing the chess slowly. game. Well, exactly as he did. Slowly. He waited for his moment, <laughs> just like he said he would. But you kind of didn't know if he was going to actually do it. He didn't seem to have it in him. But when he enters, his daughter is still alive. But he doesn't know that. I know. That because she's hypnotized. That would make him, or that would make me skin him even slower. slower. <laughs> yes. So what were you pleasantly surprised by then? Um, I, I Like I just said, I think Bela, like. You liked his performance. He owned this. He did. Yeah. I do like. Karloff's character and I so Karloff's character would have been a lot better if he would have towered over Lugosi I think you know what I mean I, it, it struck me to be more intimidating you mean yes it struck me that he was shorter than Lugosi in every scene and I'm like wow that's you know he seemed feeble compared to Lugosi you know what I mean I thought it was more but he's supposed to be like the satanic priest or whatever but... <laughs> Well, the way I interpreted it, which could be wrong, was he was more of the calculator, like the person who would calculate what to do, whose side to be on in order to win. And Bella was more physical. That's why he could survive the 15 years in the prison. Karloff would have never survived the 15 years in the prison, you know, because he, he was small and scrawny, but Bella well, he did. Have, he may have so I just no, kind of he, thought they were dichotomies of each other. He may have made deals and whatever. Brains versus brawn. 
I was kind of shocked at the difference between the two. You know what I mean? So Lugosi was 6'2", Karloff was 5'11". So I think that's it's pretty only three true. Inches. Well, I think it's pretty too true to what we saw in this film, though. It, I think the film would have been much better if Karloff would have been wearing his Frankenstein shoes. So that's what you're Just disappointed that, in? Enough. Just that would have been made the film better, I think. Well, he kind of walked around like he was still wearing them. <laughs> Just my opinion. So that's what you were disappointed in then? Um. There wasn't a lot to be disappointed in, I don't think. Well, the whole cat thing was weird and almost unnecessary. Well, you know, they say it's based on Edgar Allan Poe, but it really isn't. That's where they got the title. That's about it, apparently. I mean, they could have found other ways for him to be disarmed or something. It just seemed very odd. It wasn't essential to the story. No. At all. So... I think that was just an unnecessary little piece in there. The cat did a great job. All the cats that we've seen are great actors, but I just didn't think it was necessary. Plus, I like my ending better. Your ending involves someone turning into a cat like the ape? No, where they are in the train and a guy comes in and needs to share their compartment. Yeah, that would be good. I agree. And they just flatly refuse. No, (laughs) that would be better comic relief than the two policemen. If if they did this today, that's what would happen. But they're not doing that today. So I I like the the review of the book. I thought that was clever, you know, that he wrote about the truth and nobody believes him. So, yeah, totally implausible. That would never happen. It's kind of out there. Karen, anything you were very disappointed in? I just told you. All right, Karen. <laughs> you said there wasn't much to be disappointed about. Is there anything you want to throw out there? No. I mean, I picked this film. I think it's great as it is. Okay. It was better than I thought. We have Satan. Right. <laughs> you know, we have, we have newlyweds. <laughs> I mean, it's all about the love, Karen. We have mm-hmm. Satan's bride, newlyweds. And what more do you want? Dead women preserved in caskets. Black cats. Forever young. You know, flaying all the all the high points. Yeah, can't think of anything I would change. <laughs> okay, no reason to worry about you. No, see, I thought you would like this film because they did Bela wrong before, but this is this is a Bela film. I feel like I agree. If you asked me who was the better actor, and I had only watched this film, I would say Bela. Well, how yeah, it is. Anything else you were disappointed in? Not really. So what kind of cocktail rating we give in this film? It gets at least a three. Not quite sure it's a two. We're pretty tough when it comes to twos. So yeah, we give lots of threes. I'll give it a three. I think it's worth a watch if you run across it. I, I think I agree. there's some deep psychological issues there. And uh, apparently people get all excited about the architecture, Karen. <laughs> I can imagine that. It was very, is it too early for Frank Lloyd Wright? Or It wasn't an open floor plan, but it was very, very modern. But they, they stole that name, Perlzig, you know, from a famous architect. Oh, they did? Or, yeah, they did. Absolutely did. Hold on, I'll tell you. There are moments in the film where they take time to point out the architecture. Is it Peter? He plays with the clock. Yes. And he mentions... A couple of things about the house 
but yep. they they do make it part of the story, the modernness of the house, the contrast with being built on the old fort. Yeah, there was a famous architect named Paul Zig, and they pretty much stole his name for this film. Hans Polzig, German architect, painter, and designer. And is also based apparently on Aleister Crowley, if you know that uh, name. I Karen. do know that name. Do you, Karen? Yes. So three cocktails, Karen? Yes, Greg, three cocktails. All right. All right, Karen, comments on my drink, the black cat. Any comments? Anything you have to say about how well, I'm awesome pretty sure I'm I made it all wrong, but it's still delicious. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yes, and I just did finish it off. It's pretty good. It's a good one. And if you've been following us for a while, you're going to have all the ingredients. So that's nice too. Yeah. Pretty much I like anything that has Sprat in it. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> so Sprite, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Karen, anything we learned today? We learned all your phobias, a couple of mine. <laughs> what do you mean all mine? You don't know all mine. Learned the top five most common and a couple of the least common. I only have a couple really, but whatever. Learned about black cats in Europe and why they're feared. Yeah. We learned about satanic rituals in the dark moon. Well, you did. Well, and that I won't repeat Latin from satanic <laughs> rituals in the dark moon. That Lugosi is taller than Karloff. That Peter was in a previous film. He was Harker. Pretty important character, I think, in Dracula. Anything else, Karen, we learned? Nothing I can think of off the top of my head. All right, Karen. Next movie, I believe, is your choice. Is it? Is it not? It is, and you're going to love it. Okay. What film have you chosen? The film I've chosen is Voodoo Woman from 1957. Yeah, I like the title. All right. Do we have a drink for this film? We do. What it's will called, we need? It's called Voodoo Magic, and you're going to need whiskey, vodka, amaretto, pineapple juice, orange juice, and sour mix, along with a little bit of cranberry. A splash, as they like to say. So Voodoo Magic, whiskey, vodka, amaretto, pineapple, orange, sour mix, and a little bit of cranberry. Yep. All right. Awesome, Karen. Anyone you need to thank this episode? I'm going to thank, again, all our listeners. We really appreciate it. Thanks for spending time with us. I'm going to thank First 13 for letting us use their music in the podcast. Once again, all the music in the Scary Spirits podcast is provided by Verse 13. They do make the podcast better. All right, Karen, anything else? Please drink responsibly. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. Want to keep in touch? Check out our website, scaryspirits.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Scary Spirits Podcast. Find us on YouTube at Scary Spirits Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at scaryspirits.com. To help us grow the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, we really do appreciate your support. And as always, please drink responsibly. Thank you.